What's up, everybody? Welcome to Studio Wesley Annex, the audiovisual podcast where we talk about the lectionary texts of the week. I'm getting better at that, I swear. Uh, I am um, your host, Michael Yarrick, and I'm here with some lovely people. Brooke, how are you doing? Introduce us. I, I'm good. Um, yeah, I'm glad you said introduce us because as you can see, I'm here with my 13 friends. We have Jesus, Judas... Peter, Andrew, Thomas, I don't know the other ones, but they're all here. They're all here. Um, for, those, for those of you listening on just the podcast version, Brooke has like a Last Supper painting behind a her. pop-up, like a pop-out. <laughs> oh, is it is it three-dimensional? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's wild. It came from my grandmother's house. <laughs> I also just want to like point out that from my from my point of view, Every single one of those people looks the same. <laughs> Me too. It looks like there's 13 Jesuses. Yeah. No. But incredible nonetheless. Wow, pop up. That this is like man, modern technology. Am I right? I don't know. This probably was me in like 1950. I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I love that. I love it so much. Um uh Drew. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I don't have 13 friends with me, but I'm, I'd say I'm doing pretty good. I literally drew your the wall behind you says friends and has tons yeah, it of does. you it absolutely is. have 13 friends behind we'll you. count them then. So I probably have I have a good amount then. Hmm. We include that. I was really hoping that um that Brooke was gonna be able to like list all the all the disciples and then if you couldn't that Drew would come in and be like, these are the other I dude, I don't know. I you probably listed more than I could. <laughs> Uh, okay. Yes. Uh, now that we've gotten our beautiful introductions out of the way with five of the 13, uh, Brooke, do you want to, um, open us up in prayer? Sure. Um, if y'all will pray with me, um, dear God, thank you so much for bringing us together today. Thank you for your love and your kindness and your fidelity and your everlasting love. I'm running out of positive things to say, but all of those things. Um, I was, you know, I started listening to, is it Chance the Rapper? What is it called? I don't know. But one of the lines is like, God is greater than the world's best day. And I've been thinking about that a lot. So thank you, God, for being so good. And I ask that you will be evident in our conversation that you will be a conversation partner with us and sit with us at this table and inspire us in this conversation and beyond. And that, of course, you will include everyone listening and watching in that conversation and work too. In your name we pray. Amen. You mentioned Chance the Rapper, and I just have to throw a shout out to when he host not hosted, but performed at the Grammys and did like a How Great Is Our God mashup and like the entire crowd was like singing this worship song i was like that was still forever that might be the coolest moment uh in uh religious history just kidding that's a very bold claim uh anyways uh drew do you want to take us into ephesians chapter 1 verses 15 through 23 sounds good so right, take it away um, let's see so i'm gonna start by reading the uh the first line actually 
So this is Ms. Warren 15. It says, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. So that, so one of the first things that stuck out to me is, uh, I'm not exactly sure how the layout of things were back then, but I would imagine that the way that Paul is hearing about these people is um, by word of mouth, maybe letter. But um, it, it sort of makes me think about the way that I go about my life and sort of being a Christian in um, just society and how it's really important to me that when uh, I interact with people and I uh, form relationships with people, even if it's not in a church space, um, that they come away being like, oh, it makes sense that this person is a Christian by uh, actions as, as well as words. But I think that uh, it's really important for people to identify um, a Christian by their actions because a lot of, you know, you know, there's sort of uh, the um, idea of people saying they're Christian and then acting not like that. And I think that this sort of stuck out to me because he's saying that he he has heard of um, sort of their faith and the actions uh, that they're doing. Um, and then, so I wanted to also talk about the, uh, so Paul has a very, so he has some specific prayers uh, for these people. Uh, he says that he prays that their hearts will be flooded with light, uh, flooded with light so you can understand the confident hope he has given those he called his holy people who are rich and glorious inheritance. I thought it was interesting the way that, uh, I don't know, I don't know about your guys' like family, but I th- it's funny to me, Paul kind of prays like like a grandmother does. I think that when I talk to both my grandparents, they kind of like, they put their hand on your shoulder and they say, they tell me, Andrew, this is what I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you find find wisdom in Jesus. And I think it's it's interesting that he's in these letters, he likes to he likes to point out this this is uh how I feel, and then this is what I'm praying for you. And um I think that that's important to do. Uh, with our fellow Christians. Um, and then he also talks about the uh, the power that God gives us uh, through simply believing in him. And as somebody who is, uh, I guess you could still say young Christian, I think that it's easy to trick yourself into thinking that the uh, the greatness and power and glory that the Bible talks about routinely is reserved for people who have like, like tenure in Christianity, which I think is a concept that sometimes maybe we put because of the way our society is, you know, you need, you need this education or you need this thing to be looked at as worthy to do many things in our, you know, in our society. Uh, But I think that it's really nice that uh, the Bible consistently points out that, the only requirement uh, to this is uh, believing in God, believing in Jesus. Um, so yeah. Drew, there's so much, so much good stuff in what you just said. So much. Um, let me just try to hit on what I what like stuck out to me. First of all, this like this notion that like just in our day to day we can be the 
like res- resemblance of of Christ without having to directly say this. I mean, I've spoken on this a thousand times, so I'm sure anybody listening that's watched past episodes is annoyed by this. But like, um, when a when a Christian feels the need to like outwardly express like Jesus's name time and time and time and time and time again without building any sort of relationship with somebody first, it does like rub me in a, in the wrong way a little bit. And and I think what you're saying here is like the solution to that, or like um, I think, it, I think it's a stronger way. I, I will go that far for me personally. I believe that it's stronger for Christians to like be shine the light of Christ so hard in our day to day that it makes people want to ask us, why we're such good people or why we're such like positive people or why, why, like, why, why do I enjoy being around you so much? Oh, it's because, um, I mean, I don't know. I just try to live my life like Jesus. And that's the in, instead of having to be like outwardly wearing Jesus on our sleeves or sorry, not that, but like literally saying like, Oh Jesus, Jesus. And every sentence I say, I say, Jesus, therefore, you know, I'm a Christian, please ask about it. Um, I don't know. I just think it's a lot stronger that way. And, um, yeah, I just think I think it's cool that you touched on that. Um, and just I mean that yeah, that, I'll leave it there. I'll talk too much. So um, nearly five years ago, CCW started doing this um, saint study, summer saint story, summer saint study, um, and we use this book called Vintage Saints and Sinners, I think. Um, Anyway, I've been <laughs> I've been like reading through it because um, I bought it, but I never read all the way through it. Um, and one of the ones that I just read was C.S. Lewis, and it talked about um, the author is so beautiful and the way that she talks about the saints and leaves that into her own life and experiences is really beautiful. But she talked about C.S. Lewis and his journey to faith and how he didn't. Um, he didn't believe and he was really opposed and then he believed and he had to fight for his faith. And she talked about him in comparison to um, a prominent atheist scholar. Um, and I, it just made me think about how, um, and I don't normally think of things this way. So I, um, my theology, I believe that, um, I believe that God is in everything. I believe that God and is in all goodness and that people can participate and do participate in that goodness regardless of if um regardless of if they um regardless of if they would call that Jesus or not. But I am it did make me think about how I do think that faith is a countercultural thing in some parts of our world and our life, um, where I think at many points of um, at many points of the world, it's um, I don't know. It is faith is kind of daring. It is kind of irrational. It is kind of um, it kind of doesn't make sense, and it kind of it both takes a lot and it says a lot about the world that we live in to choose faith. Um, so I saw about that drew when you said like, all you have to do is believe. Um, and in one way, I think that's so simple. And yet in another way, I think that's so bold and it takes so much 
Um, and yet, um, and yet I think we're supported and held in that journey. But I, I've been thinking about what, what does it mean to have faith? Ladies, gentlemen, and non-binary friends, we ask at this point in the ride, you silence your cell phones. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, that was just me calling Brooke out real quick, who's muted, so... I'm sorry, Brooke. I just call you out. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, Drew, thank you so much. Uh, I promise people are laughing at that joke. If you're just listening on the podcast, you you probably think no. I'm so right Yeah, now. no, I am laughing. I do. Look, I do want to apologize. Normally, I silence my phone. Mike's going to take all this out. Normally, I silence my phone. Normally, I don't get texts this time of day. But you know what? My sister just landed. Her plane just landed somewhere. Yeah. Aww. She hasn't taken a lot of flights, so I should feel bad, Mike. <laughs> Mike to share I, her. No, I'm sorry. I'm just I, kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, will, I will leave this in for the public shaming that I deserve. I will no. leave this in absolutely. Um, and if you could no, hear the pauses where I was like, can I put it on do not disturb while I'm talking? Totally kidding. Um, all right. We are going to move into our um, our Old Testament text. We're going to do something a little bit differently, as you probably noticed already. There are three of us, not four, but there are four texts. What on earth will we do? Well, in the past, we've done this. And I, I mean, I personally enjoy it. So I think we're going to try it again. And if you're listening and you hate this, please let us know. <laughs> but um, I'm just going to read us through this text. And then Brooke and Drew, and then I'll jump in at the end. Um, we're, we'll just kind of word vomit out like it'll be like an all mics off just kind of say the first things that pop into your mind and we'll see what happens on this is studio wesley annex unfiltered well but with but with but with some filters that make this a family friendly doesn't matter anyway uh so this is acts one verses one through eleven um and i'm reading from the voice translation because you know why not let's get a little spicy with it uh to a lover of god theophilus in my first book, I recounted the events of Jesus' life, his actions, his teachings, from the beginning of his life until he was taken up into heaven. After his great suffering and vindication, he showed his apostles that he was alive, appearing to them repeatedly over a period of 40 days, giving them many convincing proofs of his resurrection. As before, he spoke constantly of the kingdom of God. During these appearances, he had instructed his chosen messengers through the Holy Spirit, prohibiting them from leaving Jerusalem, but rather requiring them to wait there until they received what he called the promise of the Father. Jesus said, this is what you heard me teach, that just as John ritually cleansed people with water through baptism, so you will be washed with the Holy Spirit very soon. When they had gathered just outside Jerusalem at the Mount of Olives, they asked Jesus, is now the time, Lord, the time when you will reestablish the kingdom in our land of Israel? And Jesus said, the Father, on his own authority, has determined the ages and epochs of history, but you have not been given this knowledge. Here's the knowledge you need. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, first here in Jerusalem, then beyond to Judea and Samaria, and finally to the farthest places on earth. As he finished this commission, he began to rise from the ground before their eyes until the clouds obscured him from their vision. As they strained to get one last glimpse of him going into heaven, the Lord's emissaries realized two men in white robes were standing among them. The two men said, you Galileans, why are you standing here staring up into the sky? This Jesus who is leaving you and ascending to heaven will return in the same way you see him departing. 
And, that, and that's it. Rapid fire. First impulses. That's a lot. I'm Bradley. I'm Bradley. Okay. Joe Brooke. Um, sometimes when I uh, when I think about the New Testament and the writings um, and how, and a lot of them, especially Paul, like they're ready for Jesus to come back. Like, and one of them, Paul is like, you've got to keep working because they stopped work. Some community like stopped working because they were like, oh, Jesus is coming. Why are we working? Which like, um, but Paul's like, no, like Jesus is coming soon, but you have to work. Um, but when we think about like, what would Paul, um, what would Paul say if he could like jump to 2023? Um, I feel like Paul would be like, um, his biggest thing would be like, why isn't Jesus back yet? Um, and I kind of, I don't know, I find it funny because it, it reminds me of the impulse um, that I've heard happens in like every generation of humans that's like, oh, the end time is now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to laugh at that. Um, but I do, I find myself relating to this. I find myself relating to, um, relating to this feeling of, um, wishing, wishing that the thing could happen now, right? They're like, okay, so like now the world's going to be totally fixed and everything's going to be great. And Jesus is like, can't tell you that. (laughs) Not going to say that, but I will say, I will say the Holy Spirit is going to come. And when he said that, I'm sure. And we know they were like, okay, not today maybe in a week, maybe in a week. And we know that's just not the story, but I'm thinking about how, I don't know, how horrible, <laughs> how horrible that story has been at parts, right? Like all the bad things the church has done. <laughs> um, and it's like failure to abide in God. Um, but also the beauty of that story that I'm glad the world was able to continue um, partially if only for, I don't know, the beauty of existence and being on this adventure and how even though it's hard that they can't have it happen, like the world can't be fixed right then, and doing that, like God enabled them to be a part of the story, enabled the Holy Spirit to animate them in that story. And I believe we're still a part of that story, and that's kind of beautiful. Yeah, it does weird like it does read like this weird, like, start of a post-apocalyptic movie where like at the beginning of the movie they're like they're like if we just do a rain dance the rain will come next week and then like flash forward like thousands of years and it's like the rain never came we're still waiting and doing our dance every day and now it's part of our religion um yeah absolutely it's it is weird it's it feels very weird to me to like read this text of like um so you're going to, yeah, you're going to do it now. And then we're like, we're, we, as the audience, the readers are like, it didn't, it didn't happen now. It di- it didn't happen anywhere close to, to now either, by the way. Um, yeah. That's wild. Drew, do you have any thoughts? Yeah. I was going to say, I think that it's just so interesting to read the way that, I mean, throughout Jesus's, you know, physical and physical existence in a human body, like they're, uh, it's like they just don't get it. You know what I mean? It's like they're like, it's from the time he comes, right? And he's 
it's like they're waiting for him to like be the like conquering god that they really want and it's just if you if you i'm not saying i would have done better but like if you're listening to him you're like that's not that's not what's going to happen at least not right now like that's just not the message that he's preaching his message is about loving people creating disciples and those things and even after he's he rises from the dead and he's you know they're waiting for the end days but it's like it's so it's so on brand for humans to be worried about that instead of like what what we're called to do in the moment which for them is to i mean create the church and be disciples to people all over the land and all that stuff and they're still like when is god going to come in and be like you know i just think that that's interesting it's like that's that's not what your job is yeah to worry about also talk about like the flair for the dramatic jesus is just like it's like no it'll happen but not right now ascends into the sky <laughs> just like very slowly and glowing i also want to know like uh, as either of you maybe as like bigger bible scholars than me do we know who these two men at the end of this are like do we ever get more understanding now it's a, we got puzzled looks all around <laughs> I think you've mistaken me for a bigger Bible scholar than you because there's no way. <laughs> we're all we're all doing our best. <laughs> I I also want to point out Jesus is like, and when I come back, it'll be just like this. Um, and I don't know, like the fact that I don't know, like that would give me so much expectation. Like, why would he say that unless I was going to see it like tomorrow? Yeah, right, right. And I can, I can feel, and I hope, I hope they didn't do this, but like that want, that desire to just like sit on the hill mm -hmm. and wait, like you're just like any day now. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, oh, it's like the, the like dog waiting for its owner to come back after its owner died. Oh, that's really sad. Uh, I sorry. Think <laughs> I think like it's good that, that we live in an existence that is like 2000 years later from this time. So yeah. we don't like have to do that because I, I think it's like it's easy for me to be like well that's dumb why are you doing that but like it is like it is framed like it's gonna happen tomorrow or next week or next month and they're just like naturally they're like well what does any of this stuff matter I mean that's gonna happen in a week I mean why would I go do the hard thing of this but like I think that if yeah, it's good that we've got some separation. Not yeah. that we do that much better anyways, but like we've got some separation so we don't have to be like, well, nothing we do matters because in a week, Jesus yeah. is going to come back and then, yeah. So I've, I've like read interpretations of Jesus's return, like, you know, the return that we that you read about in like Rev Revelations and stuff. And um, there are interpretations that like everybody who has like since passed or moved on those people all come to come to earth first before Jesus comes back. So it's like the, the procession of Jesus coming starts with all the people that have like since passed and like moved on or whatever. Um, so in that, in that interpretation of events, these people will technically see it happen. It's just going to be a little different than maybe the expectation that Jesus shows up on the Hill right after, after saying this, um, yeah, great stuff. Great stuff, y'all. Okay, with that, we are going to move into our break. Uh, I don't have a great segue. Well, nope, here's my segue. Uh, I, unlike Jesus, will not be ascending into the sky. I will just be 
pushing the editing button that sends us to the break. Uh, this is a weak segue, but uh, we'll see you soon. beautiful break um i apologize for the awful segue brooke suggested we break something on camera to show that we're going to a break which like would have been a lot stronger so i recognize that boom but now you have to put it back together because we're back ah gotcha okay <laughs> um all right well speaking of uh brooke it is your time to shine with psalms 47 are you ready uh yeah yeah Take it away. um so this is a psalm, and if you've heard me on a podcast doing a psalm, you might know I, I, I struggle. I struggle with the psalms. I I don't know. I've been listening a little bit to the N.T. Wright podcast, and one of them he recommended that if you're having a hard time, you read like four psalms a day. Um, and I'm having a hard time, so I'm kind of like, should I read four psalms a day? I haven't yet, but like maybe that'll open up the psalms for me. Who knows? Um, but but I did get a few things to work with with this one. Okay. So I am on a journey of trying to learn languages. I'm always on a journey of trying to learn languages. Right now I'm trying to learn Spanish and ASL, yes, at the same time. Um, and honestly, learning ASL especially really helps me with the Psalms because I can think about, I can read this Psalm and I can think about the words that I know in ASL and just having the pictures of the words, I would like try to sign them, but like, I, I, I don't think I could do that, but I, I have an idea of like some of the pictures of the words and the way that meaning is so infused into a ASL words, um, is very helpful for me. Um, so I'll like the idea of clap your hands, all you peoples, shout to God with loud songs of joy. Um, I don't know. I can just, it can bring me into visualizing it. And that that is very meaningful for me. This psalm, it's called, or like the sub, I don't know, the thing explaining it is God's rule over the nations. Um, and it's sort of about God as king and how how mighty God is and how we praise and worship God because of that. And this is recorded a few weeks or like a week before it'll come out. But I just watched um, um, the coronation of King Charles III, or as I've heard, KC3, um, and it it's really been making me think about kings. I went through a season of, like, thinking about kings. Um, I don't know, because I, <laughs> I just felt like God wanted me to do that. So I thought about kings. I listened to this whole um, audiobook lecture series on, like, the king, the medieval kings of England. Um and it's so, it's honestly so weird. I, we're in like the U.S., so I feel like this isn't like such a political statement. <laughs> One of the few things that's not a political statement here. Um, 
but it was so strange to me watching the coronation. Um, I got up, I don't know, I watched it from like 5 a.m. to 6.45 a.m. and then I fell asleep, um, but I kept it on the background. So I kept hearing, um, so like I had a dream about like, um, about people shouting like, God save the king. It was great. Um, but it's so, it's so strange to me that we have, um, that there are like priests like anointing him as king, like that's divine. I don't know. It, it's really weird to me. Um, but it really, it really made me think about where is God in this? And if God had God's kingdom, right? Um, which we do, <laughs> we believe that like God has God's kingdom and that God's kingdom is here. But if the world was ordered as if heaven were truly on earth, truly brought here, what would that look like? What would God's kingdom look like? One of my challenges with this psalm is that I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of envisioning God as a traditional king, right? God is king over the nations. God sits on his holy throne um, and he's highly exalted. I really struggle with this language of um, God is king over the nations because that kind of sounds like a dominion. That kind of sounds like a conquering force. But when I combine that with my knowledge of who God is and how we see God in Jesus and how God rules, it gives me a much more beautiful picture. Um, it And I, um, it's weird. <laughs> um, so Prince Charles is like one of my favorite characters on The Crown, um, at least before season five. Um, but it's weird because like I, I think of that as like a completely different person than King Charles. <laughs> I, I think of the fictional character and the um, real person as completely separate. But like I'm not saying this like out of like hatred for King Charles. Um, but it was so weird to me that he's having this what like $100 million ceremony. And then he's saying like an I am named king to serve you, right? And just thinking about like the financial responsibility of money, like when there are people suffering, like how how can we justify spending that much money in that way? Um, but thinking about like how how would God spend that money? If God were king, what would God do? And again, we see that in Jesus, right? We see if God were king, like, Jesus would wash, wash feet. Jesus would serve people. Jesus would include people who are not included. Um, and in that way, it's so beautiful to imagine, to read this with that knowledge of who Jesus is and to think, yes, like God is king over nations. And then saying that God is king over nations, but oh, God is king in such a way that he lifts people up, right? God is king in such a way that he sits on his holy throne, but not in such a way that other people aren't welcome to. Not in such a way that that puts God above in a way that makes others less than. And it's it's very fruitful for me to imagine, um, to remember God's power in combination with God's character and to bring that imaginatively into my life um, and into my journey and into my dreams 
and into my actions and thinking about how how can I join God on this journey of bringing God's kingdom to earth? What does that look like? How can I participate? And how can we imagine what's in store and collaboratively work towards creating that vision? So I think it was it was interesting what you were talking about with the you know the coronation and I think that it sort of made me think about I guess similar sort of things. I mean I didn't do like I didn't go into research on it or anything. But I do think that when you compare that but first of all I don't think I think that it's a very tough representation of what a king is because I think it's very human. Like the the way that we appreciate that king is by all of the material things that you could possibly imagine while simultaneously there's people suffering like a street over, you know, like that's very, I think, human. But when you read the scripture, like I think that you're right that in some places in the scripture, like that is how a king is described. And I tend to think that that is more of a a much more human interpretation of of what God's kingdom you know, in the way and God is king, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's a very human interpretation of what it is. I think a lot of times when the only way that we have to perceive God is our human interpretation, obviously. So it's easy to like envision it like that. But like you were saying, I think if you, if you look at Jesus's uh, time on earth, that would, it, that wouldn't have been how, how he would, he was displayed on earth at all. So I think that is kind of a weird, like dichotomy, I guess. Yeah, as you were as you were talking about um, the type of like king that would like li- live amongst their people or like serve amongst their people, um, which absolutely has all the ev- the biblical evidence in the world, I couldn't help but relate that to um, the best monarch of our time, uh, Amelia Mignonette Thermopolis Rinaldi, Princess of Genovia, um, because this is literally a scene from Princess Diaries two where she's like in the carriage she's like yes absolutely she's like riding through the street and then she sees the little girl getting bullied at the orphanage and she's like stop the parade and she goes over there and she makes her a princess because she's a queen of the people uh that is the type of ruler that jesus emulated through princess diaries too um sorry i had to share that because absolutely but um but no i mean i I mean i think i think we're, we're dead on the money here i mean this is like weirdly enough a thing that pop culture is like obsessed with right also thinking emperor's new groove we have like the bad king who learns to like serve his people and um i think it's really interesting that we've like subconsciously clung to this idea of like those in like well i mean naturally those in power um if if without corruption if servant-hearted are the type of leaders that we need and Jesus like emulates this idea of what, what it means to be a good leader and a good ruler. Um, and I think that's really cool. Um, yeah. All right. So that leaves me with our gospel text of the week, uh, which is Luke 24 and I will launch into it now. Uh, let's see. So, uh, we already kind of got a sneak peek of a different version of this story. This is also an Ascension story, much like our, our acts, uh, chapter one, verses. Uh, this is, uh, like I said, in Luke. Um, so what happens here in this scripture is 
what I wrote down as um, I wrote down as possibly the kindest I told you so in history. Jesus is basically like, I've been telling you this all along that like everything written about me in the Hebrew scriptures must be fulfilled. Everything from the law of Moses to the prophets and Psalms. And then it says in verse 45, then he opens their minds so they can comprehend the meaning of the Hebrew scriptures. Um, yeah, it's the scripture said this. I mean, I kind of told you that would happen, and it did. Cool. Let's talk about it. Um, so I'm going to navigate this in, from two points. Um, the first for me is this verse 45. Then he opens their minds so they can comprehend the meaning of the Hebrew scriptures. I, when I first read this, this chunk just felt affirming to me um, for the person on the journey of I need to see to believe. I, I think there's so much like shrouding Christianity as this beautiful thing of like, um, you should believe without seeing. I mean, this is the thing I heard most growing up in like Bible school and VBS and all the things is like seeing, like um, seeing isn't believing, believing is believing without seeing. Right. Um, but I do think there's a lot of remnants in the Bible that say God and Jesus, this Trinity of beauty is like, um, acknowledging of the type of person that and their history that needs to see to believe. Like, I think there's a type of person, whether it be like trust issues from a traumatic past or whatever, that, that refuses to believe without seeing. Um, and I mean, in this verse, some of Jesus's very disciples didn't have their minds open until they experienced the resurrection firsthand. And I think that says a lot. Um, so I need this for myself, but um, also for like the believers who have grown untrustworthy with religion. I think there's just, I mean, sorry, let me also say, I think there's something very powerful in believing in the divine without seeing it um, because it brings weight to this emotional experiences that we have and the, the heavy feelings. But I also just don't think God is the one to condemn those who need more. Um, and I do feel that in this passage. Um, and I'd love pushback on that if, if people disagree with me on that, because that's totally okay. Um, but I, I, I mean, at least for me in my life, I, I need to believe that God doesn't frown upon people that need more evidence. And I actually think you could argue that God is constantly trying to give us evidence to push us in that right direction. But um, he's willing to go so far as like showing a resurrection and then opening people's minds that way. The second thing I want to talk about in this chunk is, is the Ascension itself. Because I think that on first read, I put myself in the place of these people witnessing this Ascension, especially after what we read in the Acts chapter of like, uh, so everything good is going to happen, right? And then Jesus is like, bye. Um, and I, and I, the first feeling I felt is like one of abandonment of like, wait, you just came back and now you're leaving again. Like I feel left on the lurch. I feel totally, um, yeah, abandoned. Like there's a grieving process that comes with that, I think. Um, but then I go one step further and now I'm picturing, um, a more human understanding of what the Trinity is where like, so I personally struggle with the Trinity, not, not struggle with it as in like, how dare it, but struggle with it as like, I can't make sense of it with human logic. So I, I just don't. Right. Um, but now, so now with, with this struggling understanding of the Trinity and what that means, um, which I think is fair to put on other people um, as a possible thing people might be feeling. Now I, I'm picturing like this, like their whole lives, these disciples have been yearning for, for God and they've been yearning through God through Jesus and Jesus's teachings and everything. And now, 
an entity, God, that they have maybe not felt direct connection with other than through Jesus. So there's a degree of separation, right, to that aspect of the Trinity. Now, this person that they've spent life with, spent time with, have walked on this planet with, known, loved, hung out with Jesus, is now ascending to heaven to be with God. And if and if your understanding of the Trinity isn't is does have gaps and you have a hard time understanding it and everything, then like the way I would view that view this is like, hey, this person that knows me, my best friend or this really close person in my life is now going up to God and advocating for me. Um the Jesus whom we know is now going to be with the God who I don't have, like there does feel like maybe a degree of separation. Again, this is all hypothetical, right? But I think there's a way to look at this that says Jesus is, you now have like this person who's done life with you is now in the room with the God that you've been yearning for this whole time. Um, And yes, in the Trinity, they're the same person. So that's a, a whole other layer, but without looking at that, like this person you've spent your whole life with is now in the room with God and, is there advocating for you. He didn't leave you or abandon you here on earth. He actually went to a place with much more weight and much more stake to advocate on your behalf. And I think that's really cool uh, and redemptive to the possible feelings of grief that I, I might feel in such a situation. So I'll leave it there. I think that in my, at least in my sort of like belief system, there is like, there's like no no way that Jesus holds like disdain for the person who is who is seeking that deeper belief because I think that when it comes to our relationship with God and Jesus Jesus sort of seeks the the deepest form of faith and the deepest form of passion and love and uh, relationship with us and I think that in my mind the what is what is the relationship of somebody who you tell them the first time and they say, oh, yes, I believe in Jesus, but that's it. It's that it's very surface level and there's nothing further with that compared to somebody who is like, I really want to believe in Jesus. I really want to have this relationship and I want it to be as fulfilled as it possibly can be. So I'm going to I'm going to seek that out in myself. I think that that person has the like um, intention and capability to have such a deeper relationship with Jesus than that other person does. And I think that that's what Jesus really wants from us. So, yeah. I, um, I listen to this podcast called the things above. I can't remember the name of the person who hosts it, you know, cause like you hear his voice, but like, you don't, <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't like say his name a bunch, but, um, I think he's Methodist and he talks about like how um, how to keep your thoughts on the things above, um, mind discipleship. And he he quotes Dallas Willard a lot. And one of the things that he says is that, and Dallas Willard, right? I think he was a Baptist, but like he was, um, I don't know. He probably had a theological orientation that was different from mine. And I say that to say, like, this isn't just like, this isn't just like me saying this. Like, this is an idea that comes from different, different theological ideas as well. But Dallas Willard, I think, described faith as um, like knowledge based on knowledge, 
or something like that. And then in describing that, he said, um, he said he would describe it as faith, right? That you drive down the street. You have faith that the car coming the other direction isn't going to swerve into your lane, right? Because you understand that that's, that's how it goes, right? Like they could, but you have enough experience and understanding of the world to guess that like, that's probably not going to happen. Um, or like the sun coming up in the morning, right? You have faith that the sun will come up in the morning um, because you have knowledge and experience that that's what happens. And he describes faith that way, um, that you have faith because you've experienced God in another way. And honestly, that is so true to me. Um, and sometimes I feel silly for this because when I when I explain my faith to people, it's it's so deeply personal. <laughs> like I don't believe because of something that's intellectual <laughs> or something physical. I believe because of the ways I've experienced God work in my life. But because of the ways I've experienced God work in my life, because of the ways that I've I feel that I've witnessed and experienced God, that gives me faith to trust God more. Um, and in that way, he mentioned that to talk about the idea of blind faith. Um, and this idea of like, it it makes sense. It makes sense to take step, to take faith gradually, um, to go on this journey of listening to God and um and seeing how to hear God's voice more and more step by step. Um, and I, yeah, I thought about that with what you said, Mike. And there, there are like Bible verses where like Jesus praises the idea of blind faith, which like I I don't really like that term because of the, um, the way that blindness is used with that. But, but Jesus does use this idea. And yet at the same time, like you said, Michael, and like, um, I think if we haven't talked about it here, I know <laughs> I keep hearing it um, in church services about it. The idea of like doubting Thomas, like I don't see Jesus shaming Thomas in that moment. Um, and I think um, even though I think Jesus gets frustrated with what I've described as the silliness of the disciples sometimes, where it's like, why don't you? <laughs> He's like, I keep saying this. Why don't you understand? Um, which I, I think we all experience frustration. That's human. Um, I think Jesus also has a lot of space and includes on the journey, includes in discipleship, the people who don't understand. Um, yeah. yeah, thank you, Brooke. That's, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree obviously but that, yeah no wow that 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 quote's gonna sit with me for sure um can you can you can you just lay that that quote one more time the dallas willard quote gosh i know there are people listening who probably know the actual quote <laughs> um and i'll try to send you the podcast my yeah, that's okay. um it's faith is knowledge based on knowledge yeah Faith is knowledge based on knowledge. Yeah, great. Um, and yes, for everybody listening, that is the paraphrased Brooke version. Don't come at us if it's not word for word. Uh, incredible. All right, uh, I'm going to close this in prayer real quick. But uh, thank you guys so much for this. This has been this has been wonderful. Um, Dear God, thank you, as always, for letting us come together in this unique set of circumstances with these specific people and these specific scriptures. I always just 
love thinking that there's um, very specific intention and in how that plays out. Um, that stems so much further than just Derek arbitrarily <laughs> assigning it. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you for being with us through this. Um, love hearing your your beautiful ascension story and thinking about what that means and what that looks like um yeah i don't know i i hope <laughs> it's not this is where brooke would ask you or say that we hope you have a good day uh in jesus name <laughs> uh had to throw that shout out there for you brooke um all right well until next time uh this has been studio wesley annex we'll see you soon